Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Greg Nordfelt is my guest today at Live on Purpose Radio. Greg is a speaker and an author. I I meet a lot of these because I'm involved with the National Speakers Association, and Greg, that's where you and I met. Um, He is a former bank executive for like three decades. He's in there counting the beans and moving money around, and then he had some adventures. How's that for an introduction, Greg? That was, uh, you know, almost perfect. You were almost dead on other than, you know, the part about counting beans and moving money around. I, you know, I did that early on as a teller and then, you know, the, uh, I caught this bug in commercial lending. Commercial lending. Yeah. And, uh, they trained me as a a commercial lender and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the better you get at commercial lending, they, uh, they want you to start managing commercial lenders. Which is how you got into the senior management of of the bank where you were working. Yes. And uh, even if you're not a good manager, um, they put you in that role and then you, you get to prove yourself. And right. wow, was that mm-hmm. a transition and it ended up being a blast. And being a team lead mm-hmm. was in my bones and driving cells and teams uh, came naturally to me. Loved it. Some of that skill set you use now as you speak and as you provide trainings and keynotes and and the different services that you're offering now, you're drawing on that that vast leadership and sales and uh, other experience that you gained in the banking industry. Yeah. And there's a reason why a banker is here at Live On Purpose Radio today. <laughs> Former banker. Are you saying that like it's a bad thing? <laughs> well, I just don't get a lot of bankers, Greg. That's it. I, you're probably not the first. Well, I know you're not the first. Um, but there's, there's more to the story. You have um, experienced, I think you told me three times now, a traumatic brain injury. Yes. I think you crashed your Harley. I did. Um, you f- fell from the top of the Empire State Building or something. No, it wasn't that. But you did crash a Harley. I did. And you've had two other incidents where you actually suffered a brain injury. Yeah, they, they, uh, I crashed my Harley, which was six years ago, and that was by far the most severe. Put me into a, a coma and I um, had to relearn how to speak, read, and write and walk again after that one. That was, that was rough. But the first one was in high school, a skiing accident up at Alta and, uh, uh, you know, crash at the top of a mogul run and, uh, slid to the bottom and, uh, my forehead's huge, as you can see, mm-hmm. no one else can. And it was attracted to an immovable object, a, a signpost. And it just happened to say slow skiing. And, and you uh, crashed into uh, that at high up, speed. <laughs> high speed, woke up in a ski toboggan, looked up, and uh, two ski patrolmen were staring down at me, and I uh, knew that I was on my way to the hospital. 
That was oh, that wow. was my first one uh, uh-huh. back when I was a, a high schooler, and second was a few years later in England and racing bicycles, you know, big heavy British bicycles, and took the lead going down a hill and didn't make the turn at the bottom. And again, this huge forehead of mine uh. was attracted uh, when my front wheel hit the guardrail. I went over the handlebars and uh, I just couldn't stay away from this lamppost and uh, woke up from that collision uh, in a World War II Army Barrack Hospital. It was just this big oh, open wow. room. Mm-hmm. Me and a hundred or so you know, men, women, and children out on the open floor. And uh, that took me a couple of months to recover from that brain injury. That was, mm. that was rough. It broke most of the bones on the left side of my face. And that was, that was tough. But wow. uh, the Harley accident, um, I had, eat, had eaten a uh, bad trout the night before. It gave me food poisoning and oh, passed out on my Harley. And uh, my wife watched me from her Harley. That was uh, She was just behind me and saw me. My head drooped to the right and uh, rode good. off the road. And it was a horrific crash into a bed of lava rocks, which you just don't want to crash into because... It was a horrific and gruesome accident and broke a lot of the bones in the right side of my body. But the worst was uh, impact. Uh, Luckily, I was wearing a helmet, but uh, the impact on my head was terrible. Put me into a coma immediately. And my wife saved my life. She was an EMT and uh, she knew what to do to keep me alive for 45 minutes until Life Flight finally found us. And and then um, I was flown to... Kootenai Medical Center in Coeur d'Alene and neurosurgeon saved my life again, same day. And uh, I was in a coma for a couple of weeks and then flown down to Intermountain Medical Center in Salt Lake City where uh, I had my uh-huh. first memory. And uh, then they, uh, the neural rehab team on the 12th floor in the Acute Neural Rehab Center They uh, taught me how to speak, read, write, and walk again. So here I am talking to you, Dr. Paul, today. A a survivor? Is that an appropriate term? Yeah, that's what they call us, traumatic brain injury survivors. Survivors, because um, not everyone does. No. Survive it. In fact, your brain is the most vital, important organ in your entire body. Yeah. And it is, in fact, a part of your body. It, it's subject to physical and natural laws, including impact and uh, the laws of inertia and momentum. Yeah, okay. and, My um, neurosurgeon told me, Greg, you've had three traumatic brain, brain injuries, three strikes and you're out. You shouldn't be here. So uh, You don't believe three strikes, you're out, do you? Well, I, I used to. and he Until after your third strike. He said, Greg... It's time to hang up your spurs, you know, this uh, adrenaline junkie thing that you're into uh, has got to be in your past. You need to hang up your spurs and uh, it's time for you to slow things down a bit. So I have. There's a lot of directions we could go with this, Greg. And I'm, I'm thinking even when you said, luckily, you had your helmet on. That wasn't luck. You put it on on purpose. I did. Didn't you? Yes, I did. Which is an acknowledgement of the risk. Helmets do not prevent accidents. No, they don't. Neither do seatbelts. But we use them because mm-hmm. there's, we're acknowledging that there is some risk in what we're about to do. Every time you get in your car and you reach over and fasten that seatbelt. Absolutely. 
um, it's an acknowledgement of the risk, and sometimes the risk is worth it. In other words, um, well, most of the time, I did, when we put on that seatbelt, we're saying, hey, the risk is worth it. Because if we didn't believe that, we wouldn't even get in the car to start with. You got on your Harley, you strapped on your helmet. It wasn't luck. Um, you saved your life yeah, by strapping on that helmet. Your wife saved your life. She did. By staying by your side and performing some necessary support and aid. The paramedics saved your life. The docs at the hospital saved your life. There's a lot of lifesavers out there. There are. Yeah. Everything that my wife and I did uh, in our uh, adrenaline junkie days were calculated risks. Right. We thought very long and hard before we did anything when we were jumping off cliffs and doing extreme scuba diving and cenotes and night dives. And they were all thought out. And, um, and mm-hmm. we, we thought before we jumped. That's one of the lessons I think we can gain from this. You've got some unique perspectives also on this traumatic brain injury. That's a, that's a very specific category of challenges. You and I talked before the show about how everybody's got some version of a TBI. Now, TBI is a specific package that has some very particular concerns that are related to it, and we'll probably get into that. It's also true that everyone has something, and, and it may not be a TBI. It might be something in, the, in their finances or in their relationships or in other aspects of their health, or right. it could be paralysis or whatever it is. They've got their own version of whatever the challenge is in their, in their life package. So with that acknowledgement, I think some of the principles that you've learned can apply in those different areas, but specifically around traumatic brain injury, because there's a lot of different opinions out there about what this means, right? Right. And I know you get excited about this from time to time. You have been able to heal, recover, um, and I'm, I'm not going to say fully because it always leaves a mark. Yes, it Is does. Is this true? It absolutely does. I have my own weaknesses that I will continue to um, battle for sure. the rest of my life. Yeah. What have you learned as a result of going through this recovery process? What are some of the things that come to your mind first as I ask you that? I've learned that neuroplasticity is real. That the parts of my brain that no longer function in the left hemisphere have surrounding brain tissue that continue to work and have taken over the functions of the portion of my brain that no longer work. And it has been an amazing journey to develop the portion of my brain that doesn't work anymore. Mm. And I've lived it. I'm a banker, as you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. And bankers have analytical function. There's a little left brain stuff going on there. A lot. And uh, early on, when I returned back to work, um, I knew that I had extreme obstacles in relearning the senior management banking functions that I... 
um, was that my position was being held for. And it took me a year and a half. And the bank was very generous in allowing me to relearn that analytical function um, from the right side of my brain. And it took a while. It did. And um, I worked as hard as I possibly could, two, three, four times as hard as I was asked by my neural rehab team to do exactly that, to relearn uh, that side of my brain. So numbers have colors and spreadsheets have little animals now. <laughs> and it just Wait, is that's what it crazy is. talk. Yeah, it is crazy talk, but it is what it is. It's what I had to it's, do. It's the way your brain has rewired itself if we want to use that analogy now obviously there's no wires in the brain but there are what we call neural pathways that can be set up through repetition where your brain can in a sense wire itself to handle a task in a different way than it did before yeah so you look at these spreadsheets and you're seeing colors and little animals and Kind of the right brain version of a very left brain world. And you can't imagine the complexity of the spreadsheets that I was dealing with in my job. Mm. And the number of spreadsheets and the analytical functions that I had to work through in, in managing this commercial lending team from both a sales and a credit function. Right. And being learning how to handle the complexities of those um, started out just task by task and ended, you know, with me having to deal with, um, you know, numbers of those and complexities of those. And that's how my right brain handled it. That's how and, it, it recovered. And it recovered. And, and gave I, you some functioning that some people maybe believed you couldn't get again. Many. And I didn't know it at the time. And they thankfully didn't share that, that uh, there was a very slim chance of me being able to relearn all of that, but I did, and our team was more successful after and during that yes. process from a production and a credit standpoint. Interesting. Unbelievable team that stood up and, and did their work while I was relearning to do all of right. that. And it was an incredible journey. Oh, so much richness there, Greg. As we come back from this break... Let's get into some of those other principles that you learned as a result of that and maybe create some hope for other survivors and caretakers of traumatic brain injury. Okay. Folks, this is Greg Nordfeldt at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com And welcome back. Greg Nordfeld at Live On Purpose Radio today. Greg, you've got my mind churning on a number of things, okay? Um, 
You spoke recently where I heard you share a story about being with a group of, I think it was speech language pathologists. And this kind of hit my heart because my wife is an SLP. I did not know that. My Why did you share that with me? <laughs> is a speech language pathologist. And I want, I'm doing this partially so that she gets to hear this story. When I said earlier that there are many lifesavers out there, you saved your life by strapping on your helmet when you got onto your Harley that day. Yes. Your wife saved your life by providing some necessary first aid at a time when you needed some sustaining until the paramedics got there who saved your life. Yes. And performed some other... Everybody did their job. And at some point, a speech-language pathologist or a team of therapists saved your life and helped you to recover, not just to survive but to get you to a point where you could actually produce and thrive. Will you tell that story about when you got to speak to them? You know the one that I'm talking about. Yes. Share that, will you? I was asked by my speech pathologist um, from Intermountain Medical Center when I was on the 12th floor in the acute rehab center. Mm-hmm. Her name is Cammie. And she was on the board of USHA, which is Utah's Speech Pathologists and Audiologists Association. And she asked me to be the keynote speaker at their annual conference. And this is one of my first speeches. They reached out to you. They reached out to you me. You were their patient. Right. They were my... I was their patient, and Cammy was one of my first speech therapists. And she said, Greg, would you be my keynote speaker at our annual conference? And I said, Cammy, you could ask me to do anything. I would do anything for you. I mean, you gave me this chance to live again. Right. And you taught me how to speak and read and write. I'll do anything you ask, uh-huh. even though I was scared to death to be a keynote speaker. And yeah. so, yes, I got up in front of them and it was down here in Provo at the Marriott Center. And I had all my notes and my show and tell. And I got up and spoke to this room full of my people. They were my speech yeah. therapists. And I got to speak their language and share my experiences of what they did for me and my family in teaching me how to speak, read, and write again when I desperately needed them the most. And I shared with them what it felt like to come from nothing out of a coma where I didn't even know where I was. Right. And... Cammie wrote the first words that I said in my, my speech therapy session with her that I don't even remember. Right. And she wrote that I just shirt. Hmm. And she added the word R to that last word because I just had an enema. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was so kind to me in her charting notes. Yeah. And in my... In one of my therapy sessions, I just put a four-piece puzzle together that took me a half hour. A four-piece puzzle. And it yeah. had on it a picture. And she said, Greg, what is 
that picture on that puzzle. And I knew it was a butterfly, but I couldn't get the word out of my mouth. Wow. Because I had serious aphasia, motor aphasia, and expressive aphasia problems. And my wife was behind me, and I didn't know it at the time. Uh-huh. And she ran out of that room and ran to the Apple store and, and bought. She said, I don't care what it costs. Just give me your most expensive iPad and put as many brain games as you can on this thing. And the Apple employee said, we just don't do that. She said, I don't care. <laughs> you just download that thing with as many brain games as you can. And she came back to my room and said, Greg, here's an iPad. I, I, you know, I was in the midst of a fog and didn't have my wits about me. And she gave it to me. And, and I still have that iPad today with all the brain games. Mm-hmm. And this is the most special electronic device I will ever have in my possession from that speech therapy session. I can tell you from speaking at Yusha that those speech therapists mean everything to me. And as I shared my moments, Mm. they cried and they laughed with me. And when they stood up to applaud and came over to hug me, I hugged them back. And I knew at that moment that my calling after I lost my senior management job was to speak for a living and write for a living. And that's the epiphany I had in front of my speech therapist peeps. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Greg, that moves me every time I hear it. On a number of levels, you're not in the same place that you were in. Back when you were in that acute care and you had, um, I mean, you were in a coma yeah. for some time period. I don't even know how long. After you come out of the coma, you said that there was a fog, right? Oh, yeah. It's like even seeing that butterfly, and this was probably at some point along your progress. Right. When you saw it, you knew exactly what it was, but you couldn't get the connections to happen so that you could actually say that out of your mouth. Right. And these patient-loving therapists walked you through it. There are so many people out there who are doing their job that they've been trained to do, and they don't understand the impact that it has on people's lives. And because they did that for you, you could return that to them. This is a beautiful part of that story. You came back to that Yusha conference, and you moved them. They, they took their feet. They hugged you. They applauded you. Is that weird? It was, Does that blow your uh, mind It was the most moving moment for me when I explained to them that the little things that they did for me in therapy sessions sometimes had nothing to do with relearning how to talk. Right. Sometimes it had everything to do with saving my marriage. Wow. Like explaining to me early on that 75% of TBI marriages fail. And when I And when I came in to say to one of my therapists that I was having an argument early on with my wife. Yeah. You know, and I come in with a... A gruff with my walker because I was non-weight bearing on one of my legs. It was busted so bad and sat down and she said, Greg, what's wrong? And I said, well, I just had this, you know, one of my first arguments with Laura and 
she had me explain, and she's listened for five or ten minutes. She said, that's enough. I want you to get back. Where's Laura? Out in the car. I want you to get back on your walker, and I want you to remember these things. One, ask her to get out of her car. Two, you say you're sorry. Three, give her a hug. Four, remember, she is your caregiver. Wow. You this, got it? This is speech therapy. This is a speech therapist. Help you say you're sorry. And you love her. And you come back to me. Okay, you got that? You want me to tell you oh, again? Wow. No, I got it, Kim. So I did exactly what she said. Yeah. I'm bawling the whole time <laughs> I get out to the car. That comes a little easier to you than it used to. Everything. Huh? That was my realization, my awakening moment. Yeah. That I had a caregiver. I didn't realize it until that moment that a caregiver. You hadn't seen it that way before. I hadn't. I wasn't aware of it. It wasn't. I mean, I didn't it's have just my Laura, words. It's your it wife. Was, it's... I didn't understand the term caregiver, the idea of having a caregiver, the what was happening behind the scenes. And it just, all of a sudden, a bolt of lightning hit me, and it saved my marriage. Yeah. And everything from that point forward came from a different perspective. Yeah, it made so, you easier to deal with after that. And a speech therapist helped save my marriage. And Isn't so when cool? I explained that to Yusha, to this group of therapists, I mean, tears flowed from me and from them. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the resonance was so thick and so loving and so warm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. People don't realize sometimes, Greg, just what an impact they're having on the real lives of other people. And as we talk about this TBI that you suffered, um, one of only three so far. I don't know. Have you hung up your spurs? Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm not doing another one. Just keep putting on your seatbelt, okay? Okay. Uh, they don't prevent accidents, but sometimes the risk is worth it. Right. You know, uh, what you're sharing with me about this this amazing group of speech therapists, and I told you I'm married to, to an SLP. I just... Yes. And thank I her, think, by the way. Will you please give her a hug she's and tell her that I think so much of her. If she was here, I'd give yeah. her a hug. Well, this is this is the the impact that we can have when we show up and we do our job. And sometimes it seems like this menial thing. You know what, Greg? I was giving a keynote for the Utah Association of Special Districts. And these are the people who take care of the garbage and the, the roads and the... Mosquito abatement. Mosquito abatement. I didn't even know there was such a thing, right? Right, right? And so I'm talking to one of the attendees out in the hall, and he's telling me about his job in mosquito abatement. Someone in his neighborhood had approached him. They were just talking, you know, chatting it up. And this neighbor said to him, mosquito abatement, really? Around here? I don't notice any mosquitoes in our town. And he simply said, you're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> and you can thank me later. Sometimes when we do our job well, nobody notices. It's when we're not doing our job that people notice. Right. Right. Um, thank you 
Everyone, you, Greg, but everyone who's listening, for the job that you do that might seem so small at times, but it's not, is it? No. It's significant. There's a reason why you're there. And you might think that, oh, I'm just going to go work with a patient today on some menial therapy task. And what you really did is you saved a marriage. Yes. And you put a powerful speaker on a stage in front of hundreds of your colleagues to inspire and motivate them to do a better job. As we each show up and do our thing, it empowers other people to do the same. And that's what you're doing, Greg. That's just... it. Um... It gave me power and purpose to, to pursue this, what I yes. get to do. How can people find you? Let's get them pointed towards you. If they want you to come and speak at their conference, yeah. they're going to have a fun experience. Because, Greg, I have experienced your presentation. As you speak to a group, you bring a genuine feeling of importance. Hopefully, listeners, you've had a sense of that today. But also from your unique perspective, coming from from leadership and senior management in the banking industry, and then recovery from a TBI and adding all of that richness to it, I think you got a lot to offer. So where can our our listeners find you? Yeah, uh, gregnordfelt.com. Oh, that's pretty easy. Yeah, it is easy. So first name Greg, spelled just like you would expect, and then Nordfelt, N-O-R-D-F-E-L-T. You got it. Com. That's exactly it. That's it. Yeah. Greg, thank you for bringing your message here today to yeah, Live On Purpose you're, Radio. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed this. It's been a pleasure. Folks, I'm sure you've enjoyed it as well. It's time now for you and for me and all of us to go live on purpose. Mm-hmm.